and uh, what a strong uh, proclamation that we could uh, uh, raise uh, knowing that our God is a way maker. Uh, he's a miracle worker. He's the one who's able to do more than we can ask or imagine. And as believers, uh, we walk by faith and not by sight. I'm so reminded of uh, what Elisha prayed uh, for the servant when uh, the whole battalion of the Arameans came and, and occupied the mountain to capture one man, one man, Elisha. And uh, he prayed, Lord, open his eyes. And I pray that when it is so bleak these days, God will open our eyes uh, to see him working wonderfully in our, in our generation, in our uh, times, and he will be lifted up and glorified. Amen. God bless you all. Uh, uh, I would like to share the screen and uh, run through uh, the word this morning. Um, give me a minute as I organize. Uh, I hope you're able to see the screen, the white screen right now. If you can, can I see a thumbs up, please? Oh, yeah, thank you. Now, after going through, uh, the Lord had dropped this word uh, in my spirit a couple of weeks ago, and I was, uh, uh, you know, uh, pondering on them. And after finishing the, the, the thought, uh, this is what came to my mind. And the title of the message is uh, uh, Face Mask. I hope you can see the face mask there. Yeah, and so uh, this has become such an uh, incredible necessity uh, for today. And the other day I was uh, meeting a pastor. He said, hold on, let me buy your face mask and then I will meet you. And the first thing that we do when we get out to buy groceries is we put on a face mask and, uh, and trying to protect ourselves. Never in our lifetime we've seen street corners uh, filled with those who sell face masks. And face mask, it protects us. It, 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 we are so dependent on it. That's what I would like to bring it out. And today, uh, the thought is the gift of weakness. Uh, I would like to speak on this, this uh, uh, phrase. And uh, this strongly caught my heart for a few weeks. And, and uh, uh, I was thinking about this line. Uh, the gift of weakness. Sometimes we think uh, in Christian life, we got to be muscular. We need to uh, be macho. We need to break through everything. We need to be on top of the mountain and to make it. But uh, God uses weakness so uniquely in all our lives. And uh, this is a gift for a believer. And so uh, to title it the other way, I would also call it the power in weakness. Weakness is such a gift, such an essential ingredient. The reason why we wear face masks is we are weak. The aerosols contain the virus and we humans, we cannot see the virus. It is transmitted mouth to mouth, breath to breath, sneeze to sneeze. And so we can't, there is nothing else to protect that shield. So we need a mask. And so we become so dependent that we cannot fight a virus. And so we are trying to defend. So, so we become so dependable on it. We are weak. That's why we are dependent. And so the power in weakness. Today, I would like to use a character in the Bible. We all have to deal with it. And then let's see if you can identify this character. And uh, we have chat. If it was a church, I know we would have voiced it out. But uh, let me see if I can. If you would, would you like to... Um, Anybody would like to type a message 
to name this character. Now, this is the character I want us to identify. Jacob. 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 Those who said fantastic. Thank you. I would like to hurry up on to the heroes of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. And Hebrews chapter 11, we've read it many times. And then you have the uh, heroic qualities of the giants and the way uh, they have uh, uh, done great exploits for the Lord. And you begin all those names. And then now at last we land up or in the in, right in the in the middle, we land up on this character, the patriarch Jacob by faith, Jacob. Now look at, there is no great exploits of him. There's no how much wealth he made. There is nothing much about how many years he toiled. There is, there is no raising of the dead. There is no smiting of the enemies. There's no pulling of the giants. There's no shutting of the lions. Look at, look at the heroic way the writer portrays Jacob. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, rather than picking up his youthful days, he highlights on his dying days. And then he says, blessed Blessed each of his, of Joseph's sons. That's the second thing he highlights. And worshipped as he leaned on top of his staff. That's all. Out of the 25, 26 chapters dedicated to him in the book of Genesis, all of Joseph's life is squeezed into one verse. Very, very interesting. Just a minute. The biblical account of the life of Jacob is found in the book of Genesis from chapters 25 to chapters 50. You have all those things that he was doing, but this one line is what is left. And this is something unique about Jacob's life. And I thought we will dwell on this this morning and then see how this gift of weakness is etched into the life of Jacob and a lesson for us as Christians. Uh, of this generation. Now let me go ahead to, to get this premise, this thesis, that God did not hate Jacob. God was not trying to manipulate his story to give us a lesson. From the beginning, if you look at the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi chapter 1 verse 2, I have loved you, says the Lord, but you ask me, how have you loved us? And then he goes on and the Lord declares that, yet I have loved Jacob. Look at that. Although his name was changed to Israel, God chooses to call him J Jacob there. With all the mists and the weakness and the brokenness, God says, I have loved. So God did not hate Jacob. A lot of mess happened in his life. Things were haywire. A lot of things puzzled. And you have his background and baggage traveling with him. Never once we have God disconnecting his unfailing love from Jacob. When God works with us, in us, He doesn't work in our lives from the position of hate. I hope you got that. God never works in our life from the position of hate. I hate you, therefore I do this to you. I hate you, therefore I will break your back. I hate you, therefore I will teach you a lesson. No, whenever God's dealing is with man, it is out of His unconditional love, unfailing love. When there was a huge mess in the Garden of Eden, God walked in with a cry and not with a punch. God walked in to get that cry, where are you, Adam? Adam, where are you? It was a cry of pain. God knew it. Is, is, he, he was cognizant about what was happening. It was all the cameras in the garden was blown in full zoom in, in, in his vision. But yet he walked into the garden 
not to hit man heart but to come with that unconditional love to bring in that story of redemption and so jacob is in the line of of that redemptive story god's love is not disconnected from him but yet look at his life i've uh, organized jacob's life and god's dealing in triplets and so for those who are making notes and those who are wanting to understand i've grouped the verses into three three and three now the first three verses let me go ahead before coming to those three verses what does god do to the one he loves i love you lord i've done this for you lord i i, I want your love your unfailing love in my life lord i've sacrificed lord i want to do your will lord i want to walk in your ways what does god do to the one he loves when you please the master when you find delight in him and he finds delight in you what as does he do to the one he loves there's a unique thing that god does and he wants to do it in all of our lives as much as we give room to him let's get to the story of jacob the patriarch the 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 son of isaac the son of abraham i i call his him as not hit and run case his his life is about trick and run trick people and run away cheat them deceive them in fact his his name means lek pula oh my how many times you've used this in our school days so how many times you know uh, you're pulling my leg we have that phrase you're trying to trick me you're trying to make fun of me you've been too sarcastic this is what he means in fact this name came while in the womb they were twins you know that story uh, in 26 of uh, genesis he's trying to pull the leg of his brother to come out i want to be first it's about me it's about my blessing it's about how and i get ahead in life that's his name so i will do anything possible to get ahead it's my job it's my will it's my money it's my wife it's my children it's my territory it's my land i don't care who it is i can trick anybody he's a number one trickster he can put anybody on a slippery slope and get ahead very crafty very crafty and so this is his name and this is what he's been running so i've got three verses uh, out of all those 25 26 chapters i pulled out three verses to tell about his character he's a smart man quite smart very shrewd he can deceive now you need to know this word deception deceive the word crafty in hebrew means arum now watch this very careful arum is as good as the word naked arum is as good as the word naked but clothed now let me explain this deception is someone who comes and says i'm very transparent before you but actually is clothed that means deception you got two natures working at the same time in deception i can be truthful on the outside but actually lying on the inside i can be good towards you but fabricate evil in my mind two things at the same time is deception that's why it's devil is a deceiver it's very difficult to find out the bible says unless we are in the spirit unless we depend on god 
we will not know his schemes, his methods. Jacob exhibited that in his life. Look at what he says about him. It is said in Genesis 27. He cheats his brother, schemes, very well scheming. He cloaks as if he is Esau, but inside he was Jacob. He could be two things at the same time. That is deceiver. No wonder Adam could not find out, Eve could not find out the real intent of the serpent. Because the serpent behaved as if he knew the will of God, but yet was killing them with slow poison. So that was, his life began with being Esau and Jacob at the same time in order to grab. Grab. And so verse 43, his mother says, my son, do what I say. Flee at once. That's his life. Grab the blessing and flee. Grab it and flee. Abscond. Don't face life. Somehow trick and run. Second, you have him. He clocked in 20 years with his uncle Laban. And after 20 years, this is what one liner about Jacob. Moreover, Jacob deceived Laban, the Aramean, by not telling him that he was running away. He's not there to stay put. Grab it, run away. Somehow make it this way. Helter skelter, hook or crook. Keep going ahead till you reach your destiny. Third, just a few verses down. Then Laban said to Jacob, What have you done? You deceived me. You carried off my daughters like captives in war. Why did you run off secretly and deceive me? That's his, that's his life. Run off secretly and deceive me. You don't really meet God. All the encounters are for your own personal benefit. There is some way you want to fabricate your own destiny. You have described your own destiny. It's up to you to get whatever you want. You have your own dreams and passions. God keeps reminding him, but this is his life. Run off secretly. Deceive and run. Trick and run. That's all his life. And, and watch this. His past is traveling with him. Time does not heal the wounds of Jacob on the inside. He still has got, probably my past is coming with me. My deception, my baggage is always with me. I want to move ahead, but every time I find this baggage before me, that is Jacob. And I'm, some of us as believers, we are stuck up with that. Our past is sabotaging the future that God has planned for us. And this is, this is the, the, the triplet on Jacob's character. He's a vagabond. He's moving, 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 moving. Anytime God wants to do something, he's, 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 he's kind of trick and run. And God's design is, I hope you can see my mouse pointer, he wants him here, the battle. He wants him on the other side of Euphrates. In fact, this is, this is the river Jordan ending up in Dead Sea. Now, let's see. This is his birthplace, Beersheba. After cheating his brother, he's on a run. He's got a vision at Bethel. He goes to Haran, a place called Padam Aran. And then on the return, he comes via Mahanaim. And then there's an encounter. This is the place that we're going to stop and, and meditate this morning. But I'm just, just, just crafting the, the, the whole map for us and describing it. Now, this is the place. We're going to come to Genesis chapter 31, 32 in a while. But I'm just trying, trying to show you the route. He's always on the run. 
But God wants to pin him down at Penia, a face-to-face -face encounter with him and give him a strange blessing that will actually alter his destiny. My prayer is that these lockdown days, we will be dependent on the master just like we are dependent on a face mask. That God will do something when we meet him face to face. We cannot give him excuses about our job, our situation, about the virus, about the condition. We can do everything to run away from his plan. Like what Judson led us this morning. He is able to do much more than we can ask or imagine. He is the way maker. He is the one who wants to meet with us. He wants to alter our destiny. Could it be that God is using 2020 to alter our direction? to alter our destiny, to alter our course. Things have not been the same for the last five to six months. Could it be that God is pressing the pause button at Peniel to catch our attention and to alter our walk, a limp that will change our destiny? I pray that we will be open to the Holy Spirit of God to listen to what God is doing these days and bring us down to that point of Peniel. So this is it. these are the six places he travels before meeting God face to face at Peniel. Beersheba is his birthplace, deceives his brother, runs to Bethel. Bethel is the place he sees the vision of God and God is beginning to communicate to him and trying to say, I've got a plan for you. I've been walking through the timeline. I know I want to bring a nation out of you. I want to give you a land. The, the promise of the sand of the seashore, the stars of the sky is still alive. My ways are just. I'm working with you. That is the call of God, the heartbeat of God to Jacob. He goes to Haran with his uncle. 14 plus 6 years. 20 years are clocked in there. He comes to Mizpah and then there's a dividing line. He says from henceforth, Laban, this is your territory. I'm not going to disturb you. You're not going to cross over here. Then comes to Mahanai. Mahanai means two camps. He has a small encounter with the Lord before the Lord catches him face to face at Peniel. As the word of God comes today, I would like to encourage you from the depth of my heart. Don't escape the divine assignment on your life. Don't run away from the plan God has for you. Don't shrink back after seeing the miracles like what Peter did. Don't get back to the Sea of Galilee. Don't get back to fishing because God has told you, I will make you fisher of men. It's not fisher of fish. God has designed. And unless we come to him and have that encounter, that's when it becomes a fuel for us to fulfill the purpose for which he has called us. He is faithful. The he who called you is faithful. God's plan is not confused or skewed because a couple of viruses have come in and some of us have died. Some of our brothers and fraternity are, are, at, are at risk. Yes, we see all that, but God is not confused. He knows what he's doing. He is seated on the throne and he wants to do something unique in our life. After 20 years striving in the flesh, I hope you're getting the image right now. God is catching the attention of Jacob the trickster. Jacob the leg puller and say, you're striving too much in the flesh. I cannot work with you. Watch this carefully. God is telling Jacob, the way you work, your modus operandi is not the way I work. If I have to work with you, I want you to understand my way of working. 
my pattern of working. I cannot work in the flesh. I cannot use your carnality for my advancement of the kingdom. And look at after 20 years how he describes his life. Even after gaining cattle, the speckled and the streak and the fat ones, and even after increasing his wealth, 20 years, this is how he describes in a couple of verses. This is what Jacob says. This is my situation. The heat consumed me in daytime and the cold at night. And sleep fled from my eyes. It was like this for 20 years. I was in your household, he says to Laban. I worked for you 14 years for your two daughters and six years for your flocks. And you changed my wages 10 times. Then he whines and moves to try to say the God of my father, God of Abraham and the fear of Isaac. If they were not, if they had not been with me, you would surely have made me or sent me away empty handed. But God has seen my hardship and toil of my hands and last night rebuked you. And this is what he says. After 20 years, I was in the verge of being sent empty handed. I thought I would lose the plan of God. I thought I would lose my family. I thought I'd lose my children. I thought the 20 years will be wasted years. Striving in the flesh will sure blind our vision to spiritual things. Let me go down to tell three times. There's another triplet I just picked it out. Three times God says, Jacob, I love you. Jacob, I know your past. I know your weakness, but I'm still working for you and working with you. Look at these three verses. Then the Lord said to Jacob, Go back to the land of your fathers and to your relatives. I will be with you. Jacob, I've got a plan for you. I want you to follow my map. I want you to follow my direction. Jacob, I'm not finished with you. This is not the place. Just because you amassed wealth, just because I've given you a little bit of prosperity, just because you've got your 70, your, your, your flock, your family, your children, just because you gathered all of them doesn't mean that I've finished with you. I've got a greater plan. Sometimes material wealth makes the vision myopic. I wonder if our testimonies in the church is only about I got a job, my marriage is fixed, we're blessed with a child, we've got a four-wheeler, We've got this and that. If somebody other than our faith would walk into the church, they would say, Jesus is, is the one who can make me rich. That's all. If I believe in God, it's going to make me rich. But that's not everything about Christian life. It's not about amassing wealth. It's not about getting those prosperity blessings. It's not about my children got this. I got a new house. I got this. It's much more than that. God was trying to tell Jacob, all the tricks with which you got your achievements, your allocage, your applause. It's not everything for me. I've got something, a divine plan through you. God is working. His unfailing love is still traveling with Jacob in spite of his weakness. The angel of the Lord said to me in a dream, he tells to his wives before leaving Padanaram. And look at how the angel of the Lord says, he calls him Jacob, the trickster, you leg puller Jacob. I answered, here I am, Lord. He said, look up and see all the male goats. Yeah. 
with flock that has streaked, speckled and spotted. For I have seen all that Laban is doing. I've seen. I watched you. Verse 13. I am the God of Bethel. Where you anointed a pillar. And where you made a vow to me. Now leave this land and go back to your native land. Because I've got something. To do with your life. Get back to Bethel. Get back to Bethel. Cross that Euphrates. Get back to that river Jordan. Move across the brook at Jabok. Get back on your way. Because there's a place where I want to give you my divine secrets. There's a way I want to expand the whole vision and the master plan for redemption. Jacob, I want to work with you. Look at the unfailing love of God still traveling down. When Laban was in fact squeezing him out. And pursuing him all the way down to that Edom region. God comes in and intercepts Laban. And this is what then God came to Laban the Aramean in the dream at night and said, Be careful not to say anything to Jacob, either good or bad. Can you see the working of God? Can you see where God is fighting? Can you see how God is just? Can you see how God is thumping Jacob? This is important when we come to a little while, when we come to the meaning. God is at work in the life of a trickster. But God says, unless I meet you at a point, a defining moment, a cusp, a transition, I cannot work with you. Same thing with us. Let me tell all of us, there are so many prophecies over our life. I don't know if, if a man of God has walked into you, you received a letter, you received an SMS during a prayer, pastor would have prophesied over your life. There's something that your parents have spoken over you. God is gracious. For every prophecy that you received, unless it goes through a process to reach its fulfillment. And the process is through Peniel. I'm speaking symbolically and then we will understand that in, in the New Testament language. What is God trying to do with Jacob? And what is the real working of Jacob? Jacob is striving in the flesh. Jacob is using money power, muzzle power, his accomplishments, his, his, his tricks from his book, the, the, the 20 plus years of tricking people. He's striving in the flesh to achieve the plans of God. It cannot be done. It cannot be done. God's things should be done God's way. If not, we incur God's wrath. That's the divine principle. There is no way we can do God's work in our strength. And God is thumping Jacob and trying to say, No, your means, your methods, your money, your power, your idea is not the way I'm trying to work the plan for my kingdom. And this is what Jacob is trying to do. Jacob, in all of our life, if I were to tell what is God dealing with, it is he's dealing with our self-will. Our stubborn will, our selfish will. God is in fact dealing with our self. Unless the self is pinned down at Peniel, the purposes of God will never come to pass. Look at how Jacob is striving in the flesh. Another three verses. Laban comes to Jacob and says, Man, you took off, you deceived me, you carried my daughter's and why do you run off and deceive me? I would have given you a good farewell, had some good biryani and nice goodbyes and played some good music and all that. I could have kissed all the grandchildren 
and 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 uh, all those things. And look at what Jacob says. Jacob answered Laban, "I was afraid because I thought my scheming. The word scheme in Greek is method. According to my methodology, according to my programming, I thought I will lose my daughters. You, I will lose my wives. You will pull it by force. So I need to scheme to guard my stuff, my job." It's virus. It's Corona. I need to guard my stuff. I need to work out my ways. I don't know if God is at work in my life. I don't know whether He's able to do much more than we can ask or imagine. I need. I need my skill. I need my acumen. I need my money. I need my effort. That's Jacob. Jacob answered, "I was afraid. I was afraid. I operated in fear." Look at these two words that come another two times. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. That's the first thing Adam said. To God, I was afraid, and so I hid myself. I got to do something on my own accord. So I thought you'll take away, take away daughters by force, and so I, I tricked you, I deceived you. I cannot trust in you. Look at the next two two times that we have. When the messengers turned and returned to Jacob, Jacob is off Mahanaim, comes there, and then he gets a, a, a phone call from his brother. We went to meet your brother. This is the message from the brother Esau, and now he's coming to meet you. Four hundred men with him. Now Jacob does not have an army. He's just got some twelve sons and few grandchildren. Now, if you leave the sons to go fight twelve of them, what are they going to do? They are no match for four hundred. And he's an Edomite, a ruffian from the southern region. He's coming to meet the brother. And what does? What happens to Jacob? Verse seven. In great fear. Oh my goodness! I was afraid. Was 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 a little while ago. He just finished a twenty-year episode of crisis and a fear that crippled him, and now he's meeting another great disaster. In great fear and distress, Jacob divided the whole camp into two. Verse eight. He thought. Again, he he is scheming. He thought. If Esau comes and attacks one group, the other group is left. That is left may escape. In retrospect, nothing like this happens. But he's scheming. I need to guard my blessing. I need my stuff. I don't know what's got to happen to me, my destiny, my future. What about my job? What about my grandchildren? What about the dreams God has for me? I need to work it my way. I need to use my strength, my potential to get it out. That's Jacob. Third time you have this word thought. He sends his servants and he arranges a very formal meeting with the brother, divides them into groups. He instructed the second and the third, and the others followed him. You are to say to Esau. You are to say. And be sure to say, be sure to say, your servant Jacob. Oh my goodness! I thought he 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 usurped the birthright. And in fact, Esau would be serving Jacob. But look at Jacob; in his flesh, he said, "I rather go this path, blanket myself in false humility, and say I am your servant." And for he thought, he thought, I will pacify him with gifts. I will use my money. 
I will use my privileges. I will pull out my favorite cards and, 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 and just lavish it on him so that his anger is soothed. And so I will use all the techniques that I know, the tricks that I know in the book. Pacify, get the servants out, uh, package the gift in different way, just extravagant gifts, just get it go. This is all what he hard-earned money in, in Padarab. Just, just let it go because I want to protect myself. I need, I need to get back to Bethel because, you know, I have got a plan. Verse 21, Jacob's gift went ahead of him, but he himself spent the night there. And so this is the place that we come. If you're following the map, this is the place. He traveled all the way from the northern region, coming down. And he's at this place called Peniel. And this is the encounter place. All this was said to just take us to this place of Peniel. Genesis chapter 33, how many times we have read this? And I want to bring our attention to this passage when God wants to meet a man when God loves this man he's got so much of prophecies over him he's meeting him in dreams in visions and angelic visitations there were no Bibles there were no prophets there there were no seers there was no Bible colleges there are no Samuels and Moseses to send and remind Jacob that's all the posterity but here God begins to come and awakens his, his spiritual senses to listen and say, I've got something for you, I've got something for you. But this meeting is going to be a very different meeting. Let's get into the passage. Genesis chapter 32 and verse 22. That night Jacob got up and took two of his wives, the last installment of people that he has, his two female servants and 11 sons, and crossed the ford, small brook at Jacob, uh, Jabok. Cross. There was a crossover. I pray that today there'll be a crossover in your spirit, crossover in your Christian life. I pray the Spirit of God will give an understanding to crossover from moving and striving in the flesh to move the direction of the Holy Spirit of God. Verse 23, after he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possession. Wives are removed, children are removed or sent away possessions are sent away verse 24 so Jacob was left alone can I advance my thought and tell all of us here the place that God deals with you and me is called the secret place there's one thing that I learned in the ministry the dealings of God are in a place called the secret place. God's school of training is the secret place. We call that the place of prayer. No wonder we emphasize so much on prayer. No wonder I think pastor was telling, set aside, take time. This is lockdown, lockdown. Another word for lockdown means secret place. Alone, God wanted that moment. The last 20, 30 years of Jacob's life, God couldn't get this secret place. He couldn't get a space to work with this giant. And this was a, this was a transition. It was a cusp. He's crossing over into something that is brand new. He's got partial promises in his pocket. Now at Peniel, there is something strange that happens. Very painful, but
but it's a gift of God. So Jacob is left all alone. All alone. The next king after David, or after Saul, was not found in the house of Jesse when the consecration service was happening. The next king was found in the secret place in the wilderness. God's king was found in the wilderness. The one who was supposed to prepare the way for Jesus was found alone in the wilderness. John the Baptist preparing the way. It's in the secret place. No wonder David would say, one thing I ask of the Lord. This is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house. One thing, to dwell in your house alone. Not the palace, not the queens, not the chariots, not the well. Come alone. Have you met with God face to face in the secret place. When Jesus taught his disciples or even the public, when it comes to prayer, he said, don't go to synagogues, don't go to street corner, don't go to where, where there are sound of the people. Get to the secret place. Lock your door. That's where I want to meet with you. That's the favorite place of God to deal with us. If you've been missing your prayer, just because it's locked down, too much of pressure has come and telling, I need to clock in this, I need to work this. If you miss the secret place, you're missing the pathway to Christian destiny. Secret place. Left alone, a man wrestled, a man. God does not disclose his identity here. He comes in human form. Wrestled with him till daybreak. He thought he would get a comfortable sleep. Probably he thought I can muster some strength to meet Esau. If at all I need to wage war, I need to do something about it. At least I'll have, but, but after that whole Laban episode, he's up at Peniel, wrestling through this man all night. All night, no wink of sleep. Everything awaited his eyes and he's so tiresome, wrestling, wrestling, wrestling till it was four o'clock. I think the cock crowed and then the first sun rays hit the beam on the surface and till he was wrestling. Twenty-five. Twenty-five. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip. So that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with a man. Wrenches, take a spanner and give a turn. Disconnect the leg from the hip. Disconnect the leg from the hip in a moment. In the wrestling itself. In the wrestling, in the dealing. In the dealing of God with a man. He disconnected that which was actually taking him around. Roaming, roaming, running, running, roaming. Disconnected that. And then he said, let me go. I finished my job. Jacob says, no, I need a blessing. Till then, I need a blessing. I mean, you amassed wealth. Now you're a big man. You got a big battalion. No, I need a blessing. He said, okay, fine. I'm going to bless you. Look at a very strange encounter of God with Jacob. God could have come in a dream. God could have sent an angel. God could have sent a messenger. God could have given another open heaven where there was a ladder up to heaven. But God chose to wrestle a man and give him a gift there. Bless me with a gift. Take it. I've already blessed you. Look at what? There is a name change. Jacob is your name. You shall no longer be called with your past. I disconnect your past. 
so that you will move like Israel. I disconnect. All along you've been roaming around your own strength. I disconnect you. I drain your strength. I, 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 I drain the power of your flesh. I disconnect you and I gift you with a new identity. Your name is going to be Israel. It's a very strange name. We're going to come to the meaning in a while. Yes, we have what the Bible says. It's clear. But we'll just look into a little bit of Hebrew there and understand what God is doing. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. I change your name no longer. Pastor spoke about the power of words. Can I tell you something? Words are spirit. Words are spirit. And right now my words are coming out and, and, and you have locked yourself in the house to listen to the word. It carries something. It goes deep down. It's just not, it's just not for your, for your uh, auditory mechanism of the human. No, it goes deep within. No wonder a kind word, a wise word, a polite word, a gentle word turns things around. The words are spirit and they are life. When God, in the beginning God said, he released words and something came about. It went into a creative force and did something. God said, when I change your name, I change your destiny. I change the way things are programmed for you. I change the way the spirit works through you. I change your past. Your past is no longer the same. Your name is going to be Israel. We're going to come to that. What is the blessing that Jacob receives? A jabok. The gift that Jacob receives is called weakness. <laughs> Look at that, dear church. Please tell me your name. It's not your job to tell you. I'm not come here to disclose my name. I'm, I'm not come here to tell about my divinity. I've come here to deal with you, dear man. I still love you. And this is what God says. I, I take off all the schedule from heaven just to deal with you alone face to face. We rather humble ourselves before God. If we don't humble, we will be humiliated. If we don't know how to humble before God, the days will come when we are humiliated. No wonder the Bible says, humble yourself. It's not God humbling you. If God humbles you, it's called humiliation. When you humble yourself and let go of your self-will and give yourself to God, that's when you really enjoy the dealings of God. Now look at this very strange blessing that God gives. So Jacob called the place Peniel saying, it is because I saw God, something opened. He wrestled with a man. He didn't even know his name. He thought he was wrestling with humanity of that man. Not knowing that it was actually God he was so blinded he was striving in the flesh that he could not see things in the spirit and suddenly after that blessing and the change of name something opened in the realm of the spirit and he said I saw God otherwise I'm seeing Esau I'm, I'm, I'm dreaded but with my brother coming with 400 band of, of people I'm scared of Laban and his men trying to cross over Mizpah. I'm in all this, but now at Peniel something broke loose and I saw God face to face. Son rose a bow as he passed Peniel. That's verse 31. And he was limping. Oh my goodness. 
This is the thought for us today. When God wants to change things in a man's life, he gives him with weakness. Just imagine, he's got a staff with him the rest of his life. After close to 20 years, he's meeting his brother. He's limping. In the prime of his life, those days, cattle was a big thing. Children are a huge thing. With all that is going to be a star studded on his crown, he's walking with a staff limping, limping, limping. Every limp, every step that he takes is a reminder. I saw God face to face. I saw God face to face. The weakness was a gift of the presence of God. Did you know? I'm hurrying up on my, on my, on my thought. Weakness is a gift and a reminder of the presence of God. He could never take another step without the staff. And every time you, you, you punch the staff, into the soil, it's a reminder of Peniel. I saw God face to face. I saw God face to face. He's changed me. Now let's come to, let's come to, to this line. The greatest accomplishment of God in a man or a woman's life is when he can break him or her. This is the greatest accomplishment of Jacob's life mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11. He was on his staff. He was not a trickster running away. If at all you say God work in my life. This is the greatest thing God can do in me. To break me of my ego. Break me of myself. Break me of my self will. Break me of my intelligence. My achievements. Break me so that I will not function in the flesh. But I will soar in the spirit. That's the greatest accomplishment of God in your life. No wonder we say, surrender yourself. No wonder we say, pray. No wonder we say, get your time alone with God. And God would use weaknesses in our life to bring us to this cusp of brokenness. The gift of weakness. Have you been broken by God? I've come to a point in my life to say, there are no material blessings, no problem. You're unable to do X, Y, Z, no problem. If you're, 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 you're not counting on your achievements and accomplishments, no problem. You're not going around to 10 places to preach, no problem. You lost your job, no problem. You're still getting less money, no problem. People are accusing you, humiliating you, stabbing you at the back, no problem. God is at work. God is at work. Like what Justin sang that song, God is at work. Even though when we don't see him, God is at work. Don't try to strive in the flesh. Your marriage is under delay, no problem. There is no healing for your sickness, no problem. God is at work. Let him use these weak moments to break us, to break me, so that we will not get stuck up in the flesh. Could it be that God has orchestrated Corona as a breaking point in our life? We're losing our loved ones. We're losing members. We're losing, we're losing our jobs. You're losing this. It means that as if I'm becoming weak without what I used to have. I'm so dependent on a face mask to get out. So be it. 
God is using these things to break us and God used that. One of the greatest accomplishment of God in Jacob's life is not that he blessed him and got the material. No, 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 no. That he could meet him at Jabok, pin him down at Peniel and to say, your past is disconnected. I've given you a new name. Let's go down to the meaning of Israel. It's a little complicated looking at the commentaries, looking at the scholars and, 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 and what all the writers have to say. But I just put it down for us to get it's it, it a little easy, but it's not as easy uh, as, as you would read the Hebrew. The root word, we have this, Israel comes from these two words. One is Isra and then you have El. El is very easy, Elohim, God himself. And so El, straight meaning. But the word Isra has got a couple of other meanings. And for our thought, uh, we could meditate on other meanings also. But for our thought, I just have taken these two. It comes from the word called Yashar. Yashar in Hebrew means straight. It's because of a tricky verb is where you get different meanings. And so the adjective of Yasar means to do that which is right or upright. So the, 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 the word Isra means God is just. That's one shade of meaning that you have. Another word for Isra that's mentioned in the Bible is called struggles and fights. You never have in the Bible that God is struggling. But you have God is fighting. And, but it isn't Jacob who's doing the struggling, but God is doing, not the struggling part, for our understanding, I put the word fight. I will fight. God was trying to tell Jacob, I will fight for you. I am not crooked, I am just, opposite to your name. You're running away out of fear, you're running, but I will stand and fight. You're running away from your brother, he's holding a grudge. He's got a venomous look on his, in his eyes and he wants to spew that poison. I will fight. I will take care. All through the history of Israel, Lot shall fight. Look at Goliath. Look at, look at, look at the Jericho walls. Look at, look at the Jehoshaphat episode. Look at the Arameans. Look at the Moabites. Look at the Edomites. Look at the Philistines over and over again. Who has fought the battle for Israel? It's God. He's the God of Israel. I think the favorite verse I remember from, from Pastor Abraham's message, Exodus 15.3, God is a warrior. He's, he's a fighter there. Warrior God. So what is Israel? Jacob, don't use your crooked path to fight. I'm changing your name. I am straight one. I am the upright one and I will fight. Can you see? Can you see the movement? Cease to function with your tricks and fighting in life. I've broken you. I'm changing your name. You're no longer Jacob. Your tricks will cease. Your tricks are over. The flesh is over. The flesh is comes to cruise. There's a disconnect of your flesh. I'm moving to a place where you will walk in a level ground. You will walk with me. I am the God who walks straight and upright and I will fight. That's the meaning of this name. That one encounter. What was God trying to do with Jacob? He wanted him to move from carnality to spirituality. From working in the flesh to moving in the spirit. That's what God is doing for New Testament Christians. This is what God is doing in our life. Paul goes on to say, I no longer live, 
I am crucified. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life that I live, I live by faith in the Son of God. I cease to live. I cease to boast about all my accomplishment. Circumcised the eighth day. I was from the tribe of Benjamin, the Hebrew of Hebrews, member of a Sanhedrin. I was able to be scholastic and this. And I just cease. I consider this as dung for the greater prize of knowing him. I move from carnal. Carnality is the greatest hindrance in our life to move in the spirit. That's what God was doing. And God does it through brokenness. He gives weakness there. Let me go down. As I slowly bring this message to a close. Now we understand the heroic phrase written about Jacob in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 21. Allow me to just break the phrase down line by line. And then may God give us grace to embrace any weaknesses in our life. God can use your sickness. God can use your loss. God can use these days. God will break us over and over again. And I'll tell you the reason why. Look at this. By faith, a dying Jacob. Oh my. Did you know that your dying days will be the most heroic days of your life? Sometimes we think I need to be on the prime of my career. I need to make it big. I don't think God can use my retired life. I don't think God can use my dying days. Now I've lost it. Now I can't preach. Now I can't earn. Now I can't do. Did you know that that is a big feature for God? I know whoever is feeling weak today. Whoever is feeling dying. Your faith has simmered. I want to tell you by faith that last taste. Can be the most glorious days. Don't give up on God. No matter what. By faith a dying Jacob. Leaned on his staff. Oh my. Leaned on his staff as a weak man. Crippled man. Leaned on his staff. Blessed. The sons of Joseph. Worship God. These are, these are the four things. Let me go down very quickly. Leaning upon his staff means he was helpless. Moment by moment dependence on God. That is a walk of faith. After so many years, that which the Holy Spirit of God reminded the writer of Hebrews is write it down. He was kneeling or leaning on his staff. He depended on the pineal moment. Every day, just like the way that leg needed the staff, he depended on me. Weaknesses bring us to that point of total dependence. In fact, moment by moment, dependence on God. He worshipped God as a broken man. This ministered to me, being in the worship ministry for so many years, we think we need to get this right, we need to get that right. Unless we are broken, the worship is not spilt out. No wonder that one moment of wordless worship mentioned in the Bible is when that woman, unworthy, takes that costly alabaster jar, breaks it down, pours it at the master's feet because she does not want to collect it back. And God said, 
she has done a beautiful thing for me not even a word uttered and she said because of what she has done her name will be reiterated for every generation reminded and reminiscent for every generation he glorified he gloried in his weakness what was mentioned about jacob consider it as his epitaph his golden words was his weakness he leaned on his staff it was not his, his his spectacular imaginations about the goats and the sheep that he had it was not about his wealth it was not about his sons it was not it was about his weakness that was glorified the giants in the scriptures gloried in their weakness it is in the weakness the holy spirit of god has got a total manifestation in our life if you want the full movement of the holy spirit of god embrace weakness people have ridiculed you so be it people have put you down your your this your that they've said no problem these are the things god uses in his great divine puzzle to put it so that we will not fall glory in the weakness paul says i came to corinthian church i came in weakness fear and trembling i did not come with superior wisdom i did not come with human eloquence i did not come with all these giftings i came with the demonstration of the spirit he uses weakness fear and trembling to say fullness of the spirit unless i become weak the gift of weakness brings me so low so that i can soar high in the spirit leaning upon the staff was his daily testimony blessing joseph's son he was blind he's dying crossed over 100 years skin is sagging knees are knocking leaning on the staff limping and limping and coming he does something a very strange act out of all the episodes of jacob the spirit of god pulls this one out and tells about the blessing of ephraim and manasseh Joseph has got two sons born in Egypt Ephraim and Manasseh Now uh, let's look at that we have Ephraim the younger one Manasseh is the older one Ephraim is the younger one Manasseh is the older one now Joseph is waiting kneeling down at the at the father do I have a picture okay i didn't put down the picture there Now Jacob is placing i hope you can see my hands So Joseph is trying to say daddy place your hand on Manasseh right hand on Manasseh and bless him this is this is running is is it thinks in his thought or in his thoughts and here you have the left hand being placed on Ephraim the second one now when Joseph or Jacob begins to bless he's blind he's dying he crosses his hand and blesses the younger one Ephraim and says he's going to be blessed more than Manasseh this is the highlight of Jacob's life in Hebrew this gets a this this gets get real underlining point now look at what he says in verse 19 or verse 17 let's read when Joseph saw his father placing his right hand on Ephraim's head he was displeased so he told his father human voice He told his father 
uh, took hold of the father's hand to move it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's head. He literally took it physically to say, no, 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 daddy, I think you're making a human mistake. You're making a gross mistake. Daddy, take your hand and put it on Manasseh. Manasseh should get the blessing. 18, Joseph said to him, no, my father, this is not the firstborn. Put your right hand on his head, Manasseh said. You know what daddy says? Daddy refused and said, I know. This is the one feature that's highlighted by the Hebrew. I know it in the spirit. I've listened to things now, not in the natural, but in the spirit order. I follow the, the, the voice, the inner voice of God. I will not reverse what God wants me to do. That is the highlight of a Jacob. He ceases to function in the flesh and he starts listening to the Holy Spirit. What is the key point? Brokenness. Weakness. Let me go down. The highlight of Jacob is chapter 49. Weak, broken, leaning on the staff, worshipping the Lord. He blesses the 12 sons. It is so prophetic that in his dying days, he prophesies about Jesus Christ. He prophesies about the lion of the tribe of Judah. In his dying days, in his dying days, he's full of the spirit. In his drying days, he's rising in the gift of prophecy. In his dying days, he's able to listen to the Holy Spirit of God and pronounce every blessing to the 12 tribes. In his dying days, God is using him to bring in and distill the dream that he had for the nations of the world. Not only that, not only that, look at this, 1,700 years after he's able to see something that would happen after 1,700 years, how did he get there? To the power of the Holy Spirit. And weakness was a unique gift in Jacob's life. So that he could soar in the spirit. Let me come down. If we read it in a hurry, we will miss Hebrews chapter 11 verse 34. After all the stoic works and, and bravos and great accomplishments of the heroes of faith you have this one phrase that that sometimes gets into hiding and I've underlined that in, 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 in four different translations quenched the power of fire escaped the edge of the sword were made strong out of weakness did you know that in God's eyes weakness is the raw material for strength I don't know how it works Weakness is the raw material for strength. Brilliant study Bible. They gain strength out of weakness. Acquired strength out of weakness. From weakness, they were made strong. No matter what weakness value that you're going through, allow God to break us. Let him break. This is the line that I want to close this morning with. God's gift of weakness is the secret to soar in the spirit and to cease striving in the flesh. Shall we all close our eyes this morning? Wherever you are, the way maker, the miracle worker, the promise keeper, the loving God, 
He allows weaknesses in our life. Sometimes even sicknesses. Paul says it because of a eye infection that he he was able to start a church in Galatia and the Galatian church came about. The pathway to greatness in a Christian life is a stopover at the cross. Cross is a symbol of weakness. We've heard that when, when Pastor Jacob was expounding on the Gospel of Mark. Embrace weaknesses in your life. Will you lean on the staff? Will you put your dependence totally on God rather than striving in human weaknesses? Let the Spirit of God minister to us this morning. I'll hand it over to Pastor Prem right now.